0: of Worship, your source for commentary and discussion on worship, theology, and culture. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Hello and welcome to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones, and it is great to be here with you today uh, discussing matters related to worship, theology, and culture, and um, it has been a little while since I've recorded a podcast, and here I am today um, in the wake of the most recent U.S. election. And so, today is going to be a cultural topic, and I want to discuss three truths exposed in the recent recent U.S. election. So. Um, Today, as you're listening to this, today is the last Sunday after Pentecost, uh, or the last Sunday in Ordinary Time, also known as Christ the King Sunday. Um, If you're not familiar with the liturgical calendar, there are two ordinary times throughout the year, and the one uh, which we just finished um, is or the one that we are finishing, is the longest ordinary time. And actually, ordinary time takes up the longest amount of time throughout the year. And so, uh, today is known as Christ the King Sunday. Next Sunday begins Advent. And so, we get into a new season, and it, it is actually next Sunday. The Advent season is not the end of the year, but it is the beginning of the Christian year. And so, today, however is a day to recognize the authority of Christ over all dominion. In other words, all principalities, all powers, uh, human and otherwise. And he is certainly king, whether people realize it or not. And one day, all will recognize his kingship and bow to him. And so believers should consider him king far above any earthly king or ruler. But in the United States, we just went through an important election. And that's not to say that every election is not important. Uh, there are those that would, I think, falsely claim that the last election was the most important of our lifetimes. And I've been hearing that for years. This election is the most important of your lifetime. Well, it's another four years to the next most important election of my lifetime. It's, it's something that is said every election. And it's the same thing. It's a temporary job. Uh, so don't put too much stock in it. And in the United States we just went through this election and in considering Christ the King the recent election has caused many to wonder including myself is if, if Christ truly is the king even in the lives of professing Christians. And I believe the the recent US election has exposed some hard truths about American society with which we must grapple. And so for the scope here I want to point to three hard truths in the recent US election that it's exposed in American society. So number one, the first truth that the recent U.S. election has exposed is idolatry. Um, Idolatry, I think, has certainly been exposed through this election, although this was likely seen by many even prior to this last election. And while many elections, I think, protrude hints of idolatry in American society, this most recent presidential election seemingly shed greater light on it than previous elections. And I'm willing to submit that this revelation will only increase in the future. And so leading up to that first Tuesday in November, the social media feeds, the television commercials, the radio program was inundated with ads paid for by campaigns attempting to criticize the opposite candidate. And often these ads would not necessarily highlight the benefits of electing the advertising candidate, but rather the negative aspects of the opposing person. And so in my younger years, um, the Republican Party seemed to hold a corner on the religious market in politics. In other words, it was assumed that Christians would vote for the Republican candidates. Okay, that, that was just assumed. And, and I don't suggest this to be right or wrong. I'm merely making an observation. Uh, But in more recent years, both Democrats and Republicans, and often third parties, have claimed the Christian voting base. I would even suggest that the claim is equal across the aisle, particularly with regard to Republicans and Democrats. And what we have been given is the assumption that a Christian should vote for one candidate or another on the sole basis of their party. In fact, it has become common. I think, for one party and supporters of one candidate to convey the idea that if if the other is elected, society as we know it will meet its fate and be in a dire situation. And many of us heard or read statements like, how can you claim to be a Christian and vote for, insert the candidate? Uh, And we heard it from both sides. It was on our social media feeds. It was on the news, on the radio, everywhere. How can you be a Christian and vote for this person? And such statements reveal the unwanted truth that most people in our society place their hope in someone or something other than God. The seriousness of the first commandment should be considered by everyone who professes the name of Christ. Hope is not found in a politician, no matter who they are. God is jealous, Exodus thirty four thirteen and he demands consummate worship from his people. And in fact, all people And one day he will receive it from everyone, whether they realize it or not. And so the fact that in the past two elections, people's hopes and dreams, at least the past two elections, people's hopes and dreams appeared to be squashed completely because the candidate they did not like was elected, reveals the idolatry that exists in our country, even among those who claim to be followers of Christ. And I don't intend to diminish The importance of having opinions and the importance of voting as American citizens, that's not what I'm doing here. But Americans have trusted in a false god, the god of politics and politicians. Elections have become a large game of competitive hockey in which one team boasts that they have beaten the other, while the other practices for the next match by criticizing the opposing party for the next four years, and often they link it to Christianity. And I would be be willing and venture to guess that many of these politicians don't give a rip about God himself. They might claim to do so, but their actions reveal otherwise. And so Christians should be completely devoted to the worship of God, his glory, and the spread of his fame through the gospel. Whether people realize it or not, the recent U.S. election has exposed many people's idolatry in how they reacted to the outcome whether overjoyed or painfully despaired, one extreme or the other, both extremes indicate people who falsely claim Christ as their God, but truthfully idolize politicians and political parties. So the second hard truth that this last, uh, the most recent U.S. election has revealed is uh, the underlying truth of hypocrisy in the church. And for the scope here, I want to suggest three primary areas of hypocrisy in the church, which the recent US election has exposed. Number one, hypocrisy on abortion. Number two, hypocrisy on big government. And number three, hypocrisy on the morality of candidates. I would dare suggest that abortion is the single most important issue facing our generation. The scope of this discussion is not about abortion, but it must be mentioned. And so while many argue hypocrisy from the pro-life movement because they claim to be opposed to abortion, but they neglect elements such as education, uh, secondary uh, elements, it needs to be realized that the other issues that these people suggest are not life issues, but quality of life. And you can't have quality of life if life itself is not protected first. And so maybe you've heard the argument from people that, well, you claim to be pro-life. How can you be pro-life, but you only fight against abortion? But you don't support education. You don't support um, you know, getting rid of guns, whatever the case may be. They throw out all these other secondary issues. And they they are wrong to just assume that because someone fights against abortion, that they don't support education. They may have a vastly different concept of it, And in fact, I myself believe that that education is not a government responsibility. And so there are those that would equate that to not caring about education. Okay. It's, it's a false assumption. Nevertheless, they make these assumptions on these secondary issues when really they aren't even on the same level. Abortion is a life issue. These other issues are quality of life issues. And we can get into those discussions once we first protect life. So the, the hypocrisy on abortion doesn't come though from the right or, or from the left, but from the right, okay? And what I mean by that is many claim to be pro-life, but they do little to nothing in the way of abolishing this heinous act called abortion. In fact, most Supreme Court justices when Roe versus Wade was ruled were Republicans. Even now, it's common for politicians to claim a pro-life stance but fail to act on legislation that abolishes it. What they want to do is regulate it. Many professing Christians hold to voting for a party because of their so-called pro-life stance when that party does nothing but regulate abortion rather than abolish it, which which is why there exists a growing movement of abolitionists who separate themselves from the pro-life movement. Which has become, in essence, an industry in itself. These people in the so-called pro-life movement build entire careers on this. And so if abortion was abolished, they would lose their career. Do you see the conflict of interest? So this recent election has exposed the hypocrisy of people who claim to be pro-life, but they continue to vote for candidates that have likely done nothing and will do nothing on the issue of abortion. They might throw out legislation every now and then and sign off on a piece of legislation that as much as regulates it, and that's about it. And so you think they're doing something, but they're really not. Another area of hypocrisy is found in the concept of big government, okay? Now, as a Christian, this, I believe, is a secondary issue. I think you can be a born-again, sold-out follower of Christ— and still uh, believe in perhaps a larger government than I do. I am one who believes in small government. That is a personal opinion, and I do believe it is the right opinion, but uh, we can get into that later. Republicans tend to claim small government philosophy when essentially what they really are is another side of the same coin. The reality is that debt has massively increased under the leadership of both parties— The deficit has increased and big government programs continue to rise to the point of controlling the American society. When when enough people work or gain their livelihood from some form of government, people will likely not vote themselves out of a job. And for the Republican Party to claim a small government mentality two out of three of the biggest government decisions I have known in my lifetime have come from Republican leadership, and that is the Patriot Act and the legalizing of civil forfeiture in the name of the war on drugs. The other decision, if you're curious, is the Affordable Care Act passed under Democratic leadership and signed by President Obama. But two out of three of those were under Republican leadership. I believe they were completely unconstitutional and one and two of the most big government decisions I have seen in my lifetime. And those who pay attention realize that the Republican party is almost equally as big government minded as the Democrat party. But many professing Christians claim to vote for one party or the other because of their small government philosophy. And I believe wrongly, some people link that to Christianity. In other words, if you're a Christian, you should believe in big government or you should believe in small government. Okay. I'm not getting into that because neither of those are linked to Christianity. You can have an opinion on one and you can believe one or the other, and it has no bearing on whether or not you're a Christian. Okay. You can be a big government person. That is your call. And that is not wrong or sinful. That is your call. My belief is small government, but that, that does not, that is not derived from my Christian beliefs. A third area of hypocrisy is the morality of candidates. Uh, This type of hypocrisy is seen by, by all parties. In fact, both parties, Republicans and Democrats, pointed to the opposing candidate as an immoral person while looking past the failures of the other candidate. And it's been said that Americans have had to vote for the lesser of two evils. The fact is that until Christ returns, people will always vote for the lesser of two evils. Moral failures are a part of human existence. If Christians desire to love like Christ, forgiveness needs to happen. And it's also necessary to consider the failures of all candidates. Hypocrisy was revealed in this recent election, not only by Christians pointing to the immorality of one candidate while looking past the others, but also by failing to forgive as Christ forgives. You're not going to get a perfect candidate. And so may God give us eyes like Christ as we see people whom he loves and treat them as such everyone fails. How we respond to the failures of others is telling about the spiritual condition of ourselves. So we live in an imperfect system. This is the third item that has been exposed through this recent U.S. election, the imperfection of our system. Um, the, the electoral system is mainly what I'm suggesting here, and in suggesting this, I don't intend to diminish the greatness that is the United States, because the U.S. system of government is far greater than others around the world. But anything apart from Christ and His king Kingdom may only be imperfect, no matter how good it is. We talk about a a better union. Well, we're always going to be get, getting better, but we're not going to be getting we're not going to be perfect ever. Christians need to be okay with that, because until the church is with Christ after life on earth, his kingdom is seen only partially. And the pitfalls of the U.S. electoral system were revealed in the confusion after the election. Often people have the idea that the United States Constitution is an infallible document. That title only belongs to Holy Scripture. Even the documents of the United States Founding Fathers are replete with human errors And I am not suggesting at all that the U.S. Constitution should be thrown away or drastically changed at all. In fact, when I think of the U.S. Constitution and the Bill of Rights, I think of the first 10 amendments. Uh, I start questioning the amendments after that, but the first 10 certainly I think we should leave alone. The system in which the U.S. operates is good, but it's imperfect, something with which believers must be okay because God's people should operate with the understanding that no matter how how good something is, if it is of this world, it is temporary and it may not be perfect as only God's kingdom is perfect. And so the recent U.S. election has shed light on this truth and exposed it. So in conclusion, I want us to realize on this Christ the King Sunday that Christ is the king, although evidence in the American church suggests otherwise. If Christ is truly king of his people in the United States, believers must bear fruit that reveals this. And the idolatry and hypocrisy of Christians on all sides of the political aisle suggests opposite of Christ the King. And so the recent U.S. election has exposed these three truths that I've highlighted here, among others, related to the American Christian subculture. And so whether you're a candidate one or not, how you respond is telling of where lies your faith. And those who are exceedingly and disproportionately overjoyed, as well as those who are equally in despair, should examine where their hope lies. These reactions are indicative of idolatry. God commands his people to worship and fear him alone because he alone is worthy of people's worship and fear. No matter a political situation, my prayer is that Christians in the United States boldly declare their that their hope is not in a political party, a system, or a candidate, but only in Christ alone. I hope this has been a tremendous blessing to you as you've listened today to the Act of Worship podcast. Thank you for listening, this is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones.